Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Oh, the applause is for the veterans. So, Thank you. Yes, again, thank you for your service. So like Matt said, my name is Lyndon Bontrager, one of the leaders here at Lighthouse. Thanks for coming. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. And if you're joining us online, we really appreciate that. Welcome. So uh, you might be wondering why I'm wearing a jersey. Well, it has something to do with the message, so we're going to watch a video to introduce this. Dennis Rodman. Unbelievable hustle by Rodman. He just wants it a little bit more than everybody else right now. That's what Dennis does. He does it better than anybody in the league. Reggie Miller, 21-footer, no. Rebound Rodman. Great football feed way up to Sally for the slam! Isaiah dishing in the lane to Rodman. Behind the back dish to Woolridge for the dunk! Look at that hustle by Rodman. Hit the first. And it's over the head. Rebound kept alive by Rodman and Barkley deep in the left corner, and Rodman pulls it down. That's fun. I wanted to show the whole thing, but it's like five plus minutes. Clint said we can't do that. So we stopped the video right there. If you didn't know, that's Dennis Rodman, who that was highlighting. Dennis Rodman was quite the player. Uh, showed him hitting a three-pointer. And that is not a very good representation of, of him as a player. He was not a shooter. He was not a scorer. But what Dennis Rodman was, he was a defensive player. And he was really good at playing his position of defense. Uh, Someone, say he, some would say he was one of the best defensive players of all time. And some of those plays that he dove after those loose balls, I heard laughter. Like, it's crazy. It's nuts how he would go after the ball. Um, crazy. Like, I get chills. I want to go out and I think I can do that, and then I realize I cannot do that. <laughs> some of those dives looked painful. Am I right? Um, later on in that same video, you can hear an announcer says, those are the plays that Dennis Rodman does to make his team great. I thought that was cool. So when you hear the name Dennis Rodman, I mean, that might be what you first think of, colorful, crazy hair, right? Um, he was quite an eccentric player, uh, more eccentric off the court. But could the guy play some serious basketball? He, like I said, he was one of the greatest defensive players in NBA history. He would, always, he would often go up against guys much bigger than him, and it didn't matter to him. He was smaller. He was, wasn't tiny, but he was definitely smaller than the average person in his position. Uh, he was known as the worm. Um, the worm because, I didn't know this until I found, looked it up. The worm, because he could, you could saw on those, see on those videos, he, he, he could wriggle himself in and out of any kind of tight, crazy situation to come out with the ball. He was so good. So believe it or not, Dennis Rodman did not get himself into the NBA because of a huge college that he went to. 
he actually played for a tiny little NAIA division college, which that's the same level division as Bethel College here close to us, out of southeastern Oklahoma State University was the name of it. And uh, the Detroit Pistons recruited Dennis Rodman when he was 25, and they recruited him because they were impressed with his ability to play his position as a defender. And of course, also because he was an amazing rebounder. Here are just a few of his NBA career highlights. So he was Defensive Player of the Year twice in his career. That's kind of a big deal. Being Defensive Player of the Year is a huge deal. Getting it twice is awesome. Only six players in history have done that. Two players in history have done it three times, and two people have done it four times. Quite amazing. He was known as the greatest rebounder in NBA history. You see some of those? I don't know how he came out with that, but he did. And speaking of rebounds, from the ages of 29 to 36, 36, that's only a couple years ago for me. I don't think I could be doing that. That's eight straight years. From 90 to 98, he led the league in total rebound percentage points, or total rebound percentage, sorry. And what that trans, how that translates is, of all available rebounds to grab, while he was on the court, he got the most of them out of anyone in the league. And actually, at the age of 33, his percentage was 29.7%. That's huge. That's almost like three out of every 10 balls that are loose coming down from a shot he got while he was on the court. And he didn't play the entire games. He got kicked out a lot of games, but... So again, he wasn't known as an offensive player, but a defensive player. He knew how to play defense, and he was really, really good at it. He knew his role. Dennis knew his role. He understood that even if scoring points and the scoring legends on his team were out getting all the glory and all the news write-ups about them, it didn't matter because he was in the trenches being the defensive player, grabbing those rebounds, making the plays, and making his team successful. And again, he would go up against players much bigger and taller and heavier than him. Um, you might remember the matchup, the infamous matchup between him and Carl Malone in 1998 in game six. Like Dennis Rodman literally took Carl Malone, who was about 40 pounds heavier and a couple inches taller than him, out of his game. He gave, Dennis Rodman gave his all to the specific defensive role of his, that he was given, and it really paid off. So Lon Reisman, he was an assistant coach at that little college that, that he was at, and he was the man credited, credited for discovering Rodman's talent, and he recruited Rodman. He states this about Dennis for regarding his time playing at the Bulls. He says, I give a lot of credit to Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. Phil was the coach because Phil was a psychologist. But what Dennis brought to the team was glue. He played his role as hard as anyone could possibly play it. That's cool. So I happen to have played a little bit of basketball back in my high school days, many, many, many years ago. And uh, it's not that impressive. I went to a school of, there were 12 in my class. And if you were a male and you could walk, you had to play on the team so that they could have a team. Now, give ourselves some credit. We were pretty decent a couple of years. Um, and so my position, I, I was not 
uh, the scoring legend like Michael Jordan. I was more along the lines of Dennis Rodman, minus the colorful hair. I would uh, play defense. That was my position. I was a little taller, so that's what I did. Now, would I have loved to have been the guy making the crowd go nuts with my amazing scoring ability? Absolutely. It would have helped if I would have had an amazing scoring ability. <laughs> but that wasn't my role, okay? My role was a forward. And, my, and as my role as the, as the forward put me in a position of being more of a defensive player. And I had to play it, and I enjoyed it. I had, a, I had some good games. One game in particular, I scored 15 points. And for me, that was a big deal. And this game, I felt like I was on fire, like it was amazing. And looking back, like, okay, why was I so good that night? I would say, yes, I had a good game, but I couldn't have had that good game had my point guard not been able to play his position and give me the ball. See, a point guard generally is the person that sets up the plays and makes the plays happen. The point guard on that, on that particular night, he and I connected like we never had before. He got me the ball all night long. I wish I would have had more time. I wish I would have had like, yeah, 30 points that night. No, it was 15. It was great. But he played his position. I played my position. I finished at the hoop. He got me the ball. It was amazing. The coach complimented us heavily that night, saying the teamwork was great. You guys, and playing your positions was huge. So hold that thought for a moment, basketball positions stuff. This is our last Sunday in the series of not a fan series. And it's been based on a book by Kyle Eidelman. It's called not a, not a Fan. I think that's what it's called. Yes, Not a Fan. It is really good. He, he uses the example of being a fan. That He talks about the difference between being a fan versus a follower of Christ. And he uses it in the comparison of being a fan in the stadium versus a player on the court or in the field. The speakers have been wearing jerseys. You might be wondering, why is he wearing a Boston Celtics, I guess, is what this is. This is not mine. I had to Google who, who this guy is. I don't even know. I, I, I don't own an NBA jersey. I don't really follow the NBA that much um, like I used to. The guy at work lent me this, and so I am now Gordon Hayward of the Boston Celtics. I tried to find a Dennis Rodman jersey, but man, I just couldn't stomach paying the money for it. Oh my goodness, some of those are worth a lot of money. Um, so anyway, the book, Not a Fan, is really good. I highly recommend getting it. My daughter, who's uh, one of my daughters, my youngest daughter, Meredith, she's in third grade. She read the first few chapters of it, and I mean, she's a little bit more, she's a little advanced reader, but she loved it. She was like, Dad, that's really good. And she even gave me a thought from it that about made me cry. I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm, I want her to read that whole book. It's really good, so I highly recommend this is a plug for that book. Get it. Uh, we have them available out here in the Resource Center, so get that before you leave today. So as we're talking about fans versus players, players have roles to play, right? Like I talked about, the point guard and the forward. There's a center and there's a shooting guard. There's uh, Every basketball team has five players that play on the court at the same time, in case you weren't aware. This is Indiana, so you probably already knew that. Um, each player has a specific role to fulfill. So just like the different roles on the basketball court, we've got different um, roles and functions and gifts here in the body of Christ, in the church. Leadership roles, where it seems like everything you do and say is seen and heard by everyone. 
all the way to more serving roles where it seems like everything you do and say is not seen or heard by anyone. Completely the opposite. It's what it might seem like, right? I will say, it is seen and heard more than you realize. We'll get into that. And it's apparent that at times, there are times when we question the roles or giftings that we have and say, God, what are we doing in this position that we're in? Am I going to always play defense, so to speak? I just want to be a point guard, maybe. So the Apostle Paul addressed this heavily in his letter to the church in Corinth. We're going to be reading out of the book of Corinthians today, if you want to follow along. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. It's going to be up on the screen as well. I like to read out of the book so 1 Corinthians, that's uh, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I'm reminding myself where it is. So let's read that. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 to start out. Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Jump into verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body, of course. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The last two verses. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It's really good stuff. A lot to unpack there. I love... Paul's examples and pretty much silly examples and word pictures that he gives about different gifts in the church body. So the title of today's teaching is Play Your Position. We're going to look at the importance of playing our positions that God has given us and why it's a big deal when we don't. <laughs> okay, so just like Dennis Rodman knew the importance of his position on his team, um, it's important for us to know our position here in the body of Christ, here in the church. And he gave his all to that position. How can we give our all towards our position, towards our gift? Before we get into the message, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. It is a beautiful day, and that is awesome. We thank you. Thank you for every person in this room. You've created each and every one of us with a specific purpose, and it's awesome. That purpose is perfect. So we thank you for that. Help us to 
acknowledge that fact this morning during this message. God, I pray that the words that I would share this morning are your words, not mine. I pray that whatever is said, people would hear you this morning, God. Speak to our hearts. We welcome you here, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So I have two points I'd like to go over in your handouts if you want to follow along. The first point is we should all play our position because my position is important. My position is important. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 20. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. <laughs> and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So as I stated earlier, I love this word picture that Paul gives. I, I like simple visual things, even the sillier the better for me. It helps me remember them better. And um, I think that's what he was getting at in this passage. So like, I'm thinking of that like for me, what if my elbow says to me, hey, you know what? I'm not part of your body anymore. I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, I want to be your chin. My chin? doesn't make any sense. You're my elbow. So I guess, and it especially doesn't make sense because that would mean that when I'm pondering something, I'd be doing this the whole time. And when I want to elbow my wife in the side to get her to be quiet, I would get whiplash because I would have to do this number. And that just doesn't work very well, right? It doesn't make sense. It's silliness, right? It's ridiculous. Exactly. I think that's Paul's exact point with that scripture. It doesn't make sense that one part of the body would say, I don't belong. Yeah, you do. <laughs> He's pointing out the importance of accepting our roles and playing our positions. Here at Lighthouse, we have all kinds of different people, all kinds of different gifts. Y'all are different, and it's awesome. It's really cool to see all the different combos that we have here. Not everyone has the gift of, let's say, maybe serving, like making coffee. <laughs> trust, trust, I, I don't think, not everybody in this room could make a good cup of coffee, like, like our coffee team right now, Okay. Not everybody has the gift of um, serving in, in the children's ministry, taking care of the babies. Oh my goodness, don't ask me to do that. <laughs> um, not everybody has the gift of being up here on the stage to sing, to lead worship. Like, wow, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's cool to see all the different gifts that we have. It's really awesome. None of that means, however, that any of these positions that we have, all these gifts that we have, are any less important than Pastor Quint's position of leading the church. I'm not downplaying his position at all. That's a big deal. I'm glad I'm not leading the church. I'm glad it's Quint and not me. He does a really good job. But if all of the babies were in here on a Sunday morning 
and they were crying and making a fuss, Who, who's going to be able to hear what Clint has to say on those mornings? I think people are going to be thinking, rather than understanding what he's saying, they're going to be thinking, where are the people that are supposed to be serving and taking care of these kids in the nursery, right? Just goes to show how important those positions are, okay? They're a big deal. People who stay afterwards, when we're all leaving and going out to lunch or going home, uh, the people who stay and clean up after all of us, that's really important. That's a big deal. You know who you are, and it's really appreciated. It'll bring me to tears, because I just love the service that you put into what you do. It's awesome. Thank you for doing that. We have all, that goes the same for all the teams here whether you're on the counting team, the greeting team, ushers, media, prayer, the teaching teams, children's ministry, students, young adults, welcome team. Probably missed a few. Sorry if I did, but y'all are awesome. Y'all are important. I feel like, I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants at least someone in the room this morning, to know that your position is important. That your gift that he's given you is important. And to stop thinking less of yourself. Okay? The gifts that you have are God-given. God gave them to you with a reason and a purpose. And he wants you to use them. So whether that's here or at church or home, wherever you're using your gift, use it, own it, and stop thinking less of yourself, okay? Your position is important. James 1.9 says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Humble circumstances, pride, and high position. Okay, I would submit to you after reading that that the best position here in the church cleaning toilets. Like, you might think to us on our scale of nice and not, no, not so nice things to do, like cleaning toilets might not be the nicest thing at all. But what he's saying there, that's, the, that's a big deal. It's the stuff that happens behind the scenes. The stuff that feels like nobody finds out about. That's the best stuff right there. So, again, if you're doing behind-the-scenes stuff that you're thinking, oh, no one notices, no one cares, what's it matter? That is wrong. Those thoughts are not from God. Those thoughts are from the enemy. The gifts that God has given you to do what he wants you to do are special, and he wants you to use them. So don't be the foot, if I can balance here, the foot that looks up at the hand and says, I'm not part of the body because I want to be that big flashy hand up there that everybody can see. All while, your gift is actually holding up the entire body. What would happen to me if I wouldn't have my foot right now? There, every position has huge, important facets to it. So, so since we're human, we tend to rank Kind of, we kind of rank the, the different spiritual gifts or positions. We just kind of do. I, 
I'll talk about it a little bit more later in my message, but we need to stop it. We really do. So in the Bible, read about King David, who was called a man after God's own heart in 1 Samuel 13, 14. So God, before he was king, God sent the prophet Samuel to a man named Jesse, who had a bunch of sons. I guess they were pretty good sons, whatever, good guys. And God said, I want you to anoint one of his sons as king over Israel. And Samuel might be thinking, well, why can't you just tell me which one? Like, why does it have to be so vague, Lord? Like, one of his sons. So in, in 1 Samuel 16, 6, we read what Samuel thought at that moment. He sees a tall, handsome man, and he says to himself, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Because he's thinking, wow, he's tall and handsome. Of course it's this guy. He looks like he can handle anything. Just look at him. When Samuel thought this to himself, however, God responded with this. He says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Meanwhile, what was David doing? Does anyone remember? He was out with the sheep, right? He was playing his position, is what he was doing. His role, his position was shepherd. Now, back in the day, shepherds were not that, that was not a sought-after position. They spent all their time out with stinky, dumb sheep. Like that, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. And their social skills probably weren't the best. When they would come into town, they'd probably smell pretty bad, you know? <laughs> they, I know, I'm a dad. And maybe David had really bad dad jokes too. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not because he was a young boy. But um, he accepted his role with humility, right? He was a humble believer that took on his role, his, took on his humble position, and he owned it. And what's, what happened right after that? He was anointed. The story goes on to say he was anointed as king of Israel, one of the highest positions you can think of known to man at that time. And he would have been about 15 to 17 years old at that time. Are there any chess lovers in the room? Anyone? I see a few hands. Chess is great. Chess is fun. You can see in that picture, that's a, what's standing? That's a pawn. And what's fallen? It's the king, right? So pawns, generally speaking, we think of as just very weak little pieces, right? They don't have any importance. They're just a pawn. I think we even have phrases like that. Oh, just a pawn. He's just a pawn in the scheme of life. Whatever, the game of life. But I will say, the pawn does, if you know your chess game, the pawn does have the ability to take out the king. Not insinuating that our greeting team <laughs> stage a coup and take out Pastor Clint in his role <laughs> of the church. And I'm not calling you the king, Clint. I'm sorry. But... That's just, for instance, right? I'm highlighting the importance of the position of the pawn on the chessboard. So if you think back to Dennis Rodman, jumping out of bounds, diving, sacrificing his body, I'm sure he was bruised up sometimes like that. He would, he would do that for the greater good of his team, right? So that they could advance, so that they could win. And he just accepted that role, and he did it. Went through the pain of the position that was required of him. 
Similarly, a pawn on a chessboard, a lot of times is requ is, you're required as a pawn to, to sacrifice yourself so that your team could advance, so your team can win. What I'm getting at is in order to win, you've got to sacrifice, and that sacrifice is important. That means that position is very important. That doesn't take anything away from the importance of the position of the pawn. They're just as important. So just like the different pieces on a chessboard of players on the court, um, if you're a part of the body of Christ, you have, a, you have a spiritual gift or several. I'm going to read off a list of spiritual gifts that God has, has given us. And when I read yours, if you, if you know yours, you might be thinking, I don't know, we'll get to that. If you know yours and you, and you hear it, I want you to just soak it in and say, that's me. I don't say it, but just think about that in, in your mind, okay? Just ponder that. Administration. Apostleship. Discernment. Evangelism. Exhortation. Faith. Giving. Healing. Helps. Hospitality. Knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, speaking in tongues, teaching or shepherding, wisdom. I'm not saying that's an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts, but if you heard your gift, just dwell on it, own it. It's important stuff, folks really is. That's point number one. We should all play our positions because my position is important. So now point number two, we should all play our position because my position is not more important than yours. It's not more important than yours. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, 22, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So we spent the majority of our time this morning already on point number one, talking about how I'm encouraging you to, to, to know that you're important in your position, how important your position is. Now I'm up here telling you that it, you're not any more important than anyone else, okay? <laughs> what are you saying this morning? Hear me out. If while, while we were talking on point number one, if you were thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm, my gift isn't serving. I'm glad my gift is administration because that's, that's a big deal and uh, that's what I do. And uh, taking autographs later. Um, if that was you, be careful. I'm saying be ye careful. In Paul's letter to the Romans where he's addressing spiritual gifts, with them, he writes, Romans 12, 3, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. King Solomon wrote this in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs eleven two: When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 
All right, so moment of truth here. I try to be as transparent as I can. Uh, it's embarrassing, too. Um, so uh, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the teaching team, preaching team, whatever we call it exactly, here at, at LVC. And what I'm doing up here is I'm exercising the gift of teaching that God is asking me to learn more and more and more of. I've got a long way to go. Hear me out. And I got to be honest, when I when I preach, I I feel like I should there's some like a big award that I should get. And it's like, "Oh, okay, this is great. Like send out the flags and banners. I just preached. Thank you. You're welcome." And and I I think the reason for that is I hope it's mainly this rather than me just having a big head is because there's so much work and effort that goes into it. Um, the, the prep work way before this very moment right now, and then the delivery, it's, it's so much prep for me as opposed to, like, when, let's say I'm also on the greeting team, okay? For me to stand out there and say hi to people and good morning and shake a hand, that, for me personally, is really easy. It fits my personality really well, and I don't have to prep for it. I mean, i got to get showered and put some clothes on and come to church. That's not that hard for me to do, but it's easy for me. And so I don't expect any kind of award or any kind of, wow, you're amazing after that. No, it doesn't even cross my mind. And I think it comes down to the amount of effort and time that's put into each one. But that doesn't mean that my my gift of serving or hospitality out on the greeting team is any less than the gift of teaching being up here this morning. Does that make sense? It's much easier um, talked about and said than than lived out. I tend to think of this preaching role as more important than a serving role just because of the of, what's, of what goes into it. And I don't like that. I really don't. I know I don't. I'm working on it. So this second point is right at me. But it's there. So I greatly appreciate all of you. I really, really do. I don't know every single person's name in the room, but you're all greatly appreciated. All that you do to make up the body of Christ, it's a big deal. So if you are part of the body of Christ, and if you're, using, you're exercising your God-given gifts to advance the kingdom, to serve people, to love people, to serve Jesus, thank you so much. That's a big deal. Thank you for blessing others with what God has given you to bless others with. That is a huge deal. It means more than you know. I want you to know this morning that y'all are awesome and your gifts are awesome but you're not any more awesome than someone else in their spiritual gift, okay? I'm not any more awesome than anyone else in this room. So we're in a participation, particip- participation trophy um, kind of state, right? I think we have a picture of a trophy. If My media guy is there. Um, so yeah, a participant. You're, everybody's on the team. Everybody's a winner, right? Everybody gets a trophy. For me personally... I, I disagree with that. I'm more of a, an old school, you got to earn your reward. Like, come on, 
Not everybody gets a trophy just for being on the team. It's not, it's not cool. Well, bear with me a little bit. If you think about it, our spiritual gifts are kind of like in a, parti- a participation trophy. If and when we get to heaven someday, and God looks at us and says, oh, you're an administration. Oh, that's awesome. Here's your humongous trophy. Congratulations. And then, oh, what were, oh you served on, in, on the greeting team. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you can find one over there, that's for you. Like, no. That is not how it's going to be for our spiritual gifts, okay? Our spiritual gifts are like the parts of the body. We all function together to form the body, and it's a big deal. Not one of them is more important than the other. Luke 22 says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus, God in flesh, the servant of all. And that's what he's really pointing out there. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all, right? With that, here's your last fill-in. In God's kingdom, we all get a trophy. Yay, everyone's a winner. <laughs> so nice. Got to get there first, though. Um, in God's kingdom, we all get a trophy. So that wraps up the second point, which is pointing right at me. (laughs) Um, We should all play our position because my position is not more important than yours. Turn over the mic. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.